Hi, Dimitri Downing, back with Meet on Shackles, still at MJ BizCon 2022. I'm here with Andrew Klein, one of the OGs from the cannabis industry, one of the thought leaders, and we're, it's our pleasure to host him, find out what he's been up to, find out what uh, he's doing here at MJ BizCon, what he's going to do in the future. Andrew, nice to see you here. Good to see you, Dimitri. I've always respected you as one of the thought leaders. It's my honor. I feel like, like I'm a child in the candy store interviewing the Willy Wonkas <laughs> of, of the cannabis industry. I saw you had uh, Brian Vicente uh, just before me, which is amazing. Yeah, we had Tom Zuber before that. Oh, yeah. So, and, and you know, we're trying to let people know who to reach out to, who the industry experts are, because so much happens at the regulatory level, the licensing level, the statutory level, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, excellent. But how did your journey into the cannabis industry start? So I, I've been in the cannabis industry about five years. Uh, I was working for the federal government for the FCC in DC back in the day and uh, actually got a call out of the blue from a recruiter asking me if I'd be interested in running a self-regulatory organization for the cannabis industry at the time, uh, the National Association of Cannabis Businesses. So I did that uh, as president for, I don't know, a year and a half or so. Um, and then led public policy for the National Cannabis Industry Association um, after that. And I now co-chair the uh, Cannabis Industry Group for Perkins Coie. We're a 1,200-person uh, uh, international law firm based in Seattle, but uh, I'm in the Denver office. 1,200-person? Yeah, it's a big law firm. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. How many people do you guys have dedicated to cannabis in there? So there are just two of us full-time. Uh, there are 100 of us in the Cannabis Industry Group, but that includes... You know, people who do M&A and securities and IP, uh, real estate, um, anything you can imagine. But they have, you know, plenty of other work outside of cannabis. So um, uh, I'm, I'm full-time cannabis. But Excellent. Yeah. Uh, where'd you go to law school? Pepperdine. Pepperdine. In L.A., yeah. Okay. I went to UA Law School. Barely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, I tried to stay. You know, they, they told me I had to get out and go get a job. <laughs> I prosecuted for a few years. I apologize, folks. I always apologize for my prosecution. Actually, I don't really apologize. But, uh, you know, I prosecuted for 12 years before I got into the industry after doing a couple of years of economic I think I knew that. Right? Yeah. 1998, 2010, I was a prosecutor. Where? I uh, started with the city of Tucson, uh, Pasqua Yaqui tribe, uh, county, uh, Pima County, but did most of my time with the Tohono O'odham Nation. <laughs> so we worked a lot with the DOG, DOJ, BIA, FBI, ICE, and the U.S. attorneys trying to convince them to prosecute um, our major violent crimes. They were always interested in the large loads, you know, 300, 500 pounds of marijuana, major transportation route. This is not about me. but so I was actually a prosecutor, too. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. Where were you prosecuting? I was at DOJ for 14 years. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe I did know that. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's why... I, so, Held you in such high esteem <laughs> because you guys, you guys are like the big dogs. Yeah. You know, did you uh, do any? Uh, what kind of work did you do at the GOJ? So the last six years, I was in the civil rights division, criminal section. Okay. And I prosecuted mostly mostly human trafficking cases. Mostly. Uh, but I did some police brutality, some hate crimes, uh, a little bit of abortion clinic violence. Um, yeah. So it was some of the most rewarding, probably the most rewarding work I've ever done. But just. Really, really hard. Really did you? Hard. Did you? Now I know our U.S. attorneys in uh, in uh, Southern Arizona picked up most cases, but you were in D.C. I was in D.C., so I would travel wherever the cases yeah. were. So I did a lot of cases in California. Okay. Uh, a few in Connecticut. Actually, a couple in Arkansas. Believe it or not. Um, yeah. I mean, there are human trafficking cases everywhere. You would you'd be shocked. Yes. It's happening everywhere. They. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to explain how it all works, but we're like. 
we were like misdemeanor jurisdictions, you know? I yeah. mean, and you guys were like the felony jurisdictions. But I was always trying to get the domestic violence cases elevated to higher levels. But you know how it is. Um, anyways, but that's, that's, that's new here and there. That's behind us, a previous life. Uh, so what kind of uh, your, your legal practice in cannabis, you guys are, are doing mostly licensing help, application help, or, you know, LLCs or litigation? What uh, area or all the above? So we don't do a lot of licensing work. Um, you know, as a big firm, uh, our, te our rates tend to be a little bit higher than the, the small firms. And so we don't end up doing the licensing work. We do a lot of litigation, um, some IP work, um, a fair amount of M&A. Um, I do the due diligence um, for those deals. Um, and then I'm still doing quite a bit of public policy work. So. Anything you're involved in right now in regards to public policy or advocacy that you'd like to mention or talk about? Sure. So um, I've, I've formed a couple of coalitions. Um, one of them, we uh, have got a bunch of MSOs and uh, some FDA experts and some doctors. Uh, and we're going to be informing uh, the uh, Biden administration's um, rulemaking process um, uh, coming up here soon, trying to get cannabis descheduled or as an alternative, at least scheduled below Schedule 2. We're, we're concerned that left to their own devices, the FDA won't consider scientific evidence from 2016, which is the last time they looked at this, until today. Um, and we're a little bit concerned that the definition that they've historically used for abuse potential, um, which would take it off the schedule completely, um, you know, might be misapplied to cannabis. And so we're, we're trying to convince the FDA to think a little bit more creatively about how to look at this um, so that they can deschedule, or at least, again, schedule to a much lower schedule than where we are now. Now, thinking, uh, this makes me think, because there's a lot of people in the industry, dispensaries, brands, cultivators, manufacturers, you know, they don't know what's going to happen when the feds cannonball into the <coughs> cannabis pool. Uh, I would think that they should probably reach out to you to discuss the different possibilities and maybe how to strategize their business. Uh, is that premature or is that something that people should make contact with you on that? No, I think, you know, companies would be smart to get ahead of it. Um, you know, the FDA is coming in some way, right? Like, you know, they, they have their sort of toe in the water right now. Um, but if cannabis is... is uh, rescheduled uh, or descheduled, frankly, um, you know, there will probably be some good manufacturing practices mandated, uh, would be my guess. Uh, you know, no one really knows, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Because uh, no one's talking about, you know, what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and, and if, if and when it happens, what that means. Except but for those who might be advising the Biden administration. Yes, well, yeah. Some, no, but still, but people don't know exactly what it means. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the rulemaking process, yeah, so the other, you know, the other, I spoke uh, yesterday on a panel on the, the science symposium. Um, the other coalition that I formed is a group of uh, scientists from labs across the country. We, we wrote a, a white paper on standardizing lab testing. Um, and the reason we did it is because a, right now the states each have different rules. You know, California tests for, I don't know, 60 some odd pesticides, and Colorado tests for a dozen, roughly, something like that. And you know, when interstate commerce comes, it's, it's, it's going to be unsustainable for these states to have different rules that we need to harmonize in some way. And so we're trying to get a, whole, a handle on that and trying to get ahead of the game. 
Um, I just look back and say, when interstate commerce comes, it'll come. I it's coming. I hope. Well, it's coming. Sure. What's that? What's that? Fifty million dollar New Jersey cultivator going to do when it comes? Well. You know, you know, because you know they're out there. You know? They're out there, of course, all over. You know, people have invested hundreds of millions of dollars in indoor grows. You know, not just in New Jersey, but you know, Michigan and Illinois, everywhere else. Um, you know, look, I think, uh, I think two things. Number one, interstate commerce is inevitable. It's going to happen, and so people should be prepared for you know, the, the basic fact, which is that California and Oregon are going to have, you know, uh, an easier time uh, selling product from the West Coast because it's much cheaper to grow. I need to maintain um, my professionalism, but I can give this man a hug right now because <laughs> he, he just speaks as if it's a naturally going to occur kind of thing. There's a lot of protectionism lobbying out there. Well, I don't, There will be more. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, but the, the, the second piece that I would say is this, you know, we have to protect public safety. Um, and we can't just deschedule and say, okay, we're going to legalize and that's it. Um, and it's going to take the FDA, God knows how long, to promulgate rules, right? I mean, look at what has happened in CBD. You know, I testified before the FDA in April of, I think it was 2019, and we still don't have rules for CBD. And so, you know, it's going to take them a long time to develop rules for, for marijuana. I mean, they, this is not a cut, the kind of product they normally regulate. And so, you know, if it's the FDA or maybe it's going to be TTB, whomever, it's going to take a little while. I do think that we need to make sure that our state laws remain in place for a period of time to make sure that public safety is protected just until the federal government gets its act together. And this is why we're starting this process with the labs. We need to do this, by the way, with packaging and labeling also. Like, we need to harmonize so that... That's your third coalition. Well, you may be, yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, we need to, you know, the, the, if we do the work now, interstate commerce will happen faster later. If we wait and we do it later, you know, it's just delaying the process even more. How, how do people find out about these coalitions public? Do they have, like, websites? And how do they... So the Lab Coalition, you can find, um, if you Google uh, my name, Andrew Klein, K-L-I-N-E, at, uh, at Perkins Coie, and Lab Council. Um, you can find the white paper that we drafted. It's like a 25-page scientific white paper. It's on our website. And it, uh, it's got our email addresses there. You can, you know, folks can email any one of us. Um, and we'll, you know, we can plug. We're, we're always looking for, for good partners, good labs to partner with. Um, and uh, you know, on the other stuff, it's it's not publicly available like that. Yeah, but how do how, how what's the best way for people to find you? Uh, well, yeah, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> Andrew Klein one. Yeah, on LinkedIn. Is LinkedIn the best way? Yeah. I don't know, maybe you're a TikTok guy. I'm not a TikTok guy. My daughters are both, I've got a 12-year-old and a 13-year-old, and they're both addicted to it. And I, would, I don't know, I know nothing about TikTok, but they're, they're on it probably you know, four hours a day. I don't know. It's awful. What, what do you think about all that China stuff? I, I was worried about that. I have no idea. I'm an evidence-based guy, but I don't really know what to think. I don't know. I mean, I worry about lots of things with China, you know, just like the crap that they make. My kids, you know, want to buy all this plastic junk that, you know, ends up in a landfill, you know, and, uh, you know, every once in a while they'll go to a candy store, you know, come back with some product made in China. I don't want them eating it either because, I don't, you know, this, this uh, the standards there are not the what they are here. So, I, I don't know. I, I tend to think there's a lot to worry about in terms of the quality of, of things coming out of China. Yeah. But, you China know. Well, I mean, when China gets deep involved in the cannabis industry somehow 10, 15, 20 years from now, God knows what's going to, I mean, 
It's just these are these are this amazing industry that we're involved in. Yeah. That these major transitions and changes are happening that they've never really happened before. Yeah, you know, like when those big players come in, you know, I I, I get nervous. You know, it's sort of the same argument that goes for the illicit market. Um, you know, you don't want to be buying products that haven't been tested, that haven't been aren't regulated, that uh, where there isn't age verification, right? Um, want consumers to be safe. And the only way to do that is to go to a legal dispensary that's regulated by the state. Um, that's why we have a regulatory regime, right? To keep people safe. Um, you know, when, when you go to the supermarket uh, and you buy a head of lettuce, you're, you're pretty certain that you're not going to get E. coli because the FDA is examining food. You know, same thing here. Like, when you buy a vape cart um, from, you know, someone on the street, it may have been made in their garage with vitamin E acetate, you know, that can coat your lungs and kill you. Not purposefully, but, you know. Um, you know, you just, I, I think we, 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 and this is, again, like, you know, what scares me about places like China, because I don't know how they're testing products. Like, you know, products you can buy on the shelf. Um, and when it comes to cannabis, it's, you know, it's safe if it's safe, you know. But if it's not, we don't know. So I, I won't be standing in line to buy Chinese cannabis. I'll tell you that. That's true. You'll probably, you'll probably be up in Humboldt County. Right. <laughs> Find from the from the craft farmers that yeah. we all respect as these OGs in the industry. Yeah. But you know, you know, again, I I learned from these conversations. This is the longest conversation you and I have ever had. I've heard you speak in different places. I know you'll have expertise. And anyone who's involved in the cannabis industry, seriously interested in developing the organization long term, should reach out to you, at least for a consultation, to see if there's a fit and to, you know, just get an idea of where this industry is going. It's wild, isn't it? Absolutely wild. It's, you know, I, uh, to me, I've been saying this from the beginning. Uh, I think Thomas Jefferson would be doing backflips if he saw the democratization and, uh, you know, what's going on here, like the states controlling. Uh, entrepreneurs from every walk of life, like, yeah. you know, whether you're a marketing specialist or a podcast host or a lawyer, whatever you hey, are. Ricky like Williams. Nice. Hey. You got to get Ricky Williams yeah. over here. Ricky, come Ricky, come on. You guys yeah. go on and say hi. Come say hi, Ricky. All right, I'm going to jump. You got to go all behind. Right, all right, we'll see you soon. Ricky. This is Andrew Klein. What's up, What's up, Ricky? How's it going? You know Andrew? Yeah, I think we should have a friend. Uh, let him have a headphone. He, uh, he can't hear the conversation. Put the headphones on. Hey, you guys. Hey, Ricky, we're going we're gonna to get you on just for five minutes. Let's just chat, Ricky. Hey, Andrew, you want to stay? Yeah, stay. Yeah, go. Is his uh, mic working? Is Ricky's mic working? Check, check. We got you. Uh, hey, so I, I, I reached out to uh, Eric. Uh, are you friends with Jake Plummer? His bike. His bike. Ricky's bike isn't working. Then give him the other one. Pick up the other one. Nice catch. Yeah, there you go. So we caught Ricky Williams coming through MJ BizCon. We're like, we're, we, we have this ESPN game day format that we're running at Meta. This is actually recorded. We're not going live right now. So, but we'll put it out there. You know, 
we'll edit out a few little bit things there. But we caught Ricky Williams walking through MJ BizCon. Hey, are you guys doing the Heisman brand? Of course. We're, we're here walking the, walking the floor. We don't have a booth, but I'm doing a panel uh, this afternoon in a little bit. Is that, what time is it? It's 12.05. Uh, 12.05, yeah. yeah, so I got to go in about half an hour to get ready for the panel. Well, we just want to say hi to Andrews here. You know, he's one of the smartest guys know in the industry. I mean, we're talking about the impact that national legalization is going to have on brands. And eventually, you know, we're hoping that Heisman will be one of the great American cannabis brands. And you guys must be working with some of the lawyers or individuals like Andrew who are advising you on, you know, what to do with manufacturing, whether or not to spend a million dollars manufacturing each state, licensing deals, what they should look like, pertaining our IP, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, licensing deals. That, that's at least right now in our, our, our business model, that, that's where we are. Um, but, but yeah, I think if we're not one of the great American cannabis brands, I think we, we missed an opportunity because at least from the, the feedback I get from people, I'm one of the great American cannabis icons. Yeah. Look, you are like a Jedi to me. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. He, I know he's a humble guy, very humble, which I really appreciate about you. We have a conference, and he's been speaking and advocating for therapeutical, responsible cannabis use. And we have a conference in Florida, and we're like, Ricky, what do you want? He's like, I, I just want to come do some cranial massages. And really, that's it? He's like, no, no, no money. Just fly me out, cranial massages. We got a little booth at a cannabis conference in Fort Lauderdale, and there we are. There these, there these ladies from Florida. And he's there, he's just chilling, massaging, like lifting their backs, doing the things. Well, you should have that here. He, he's ah, not. But he, he, you're a healer. Yeah, that's that's my that's my calling in life. It's and, and you know, the launching the brand is really about, about that because I think cannabis at least offers forms of healing to to a lot of people. And I think the more we get the word out, people realize that cannabis can help them with things that they've been struggling with. I think I'm doing, I'm utilizing my platform for good. You, you, you truly are. And Andrew, I want to invite you to this as well. We're trying to do a Super Bowl event. You don't know about this yet, but this is unshackled. I don't care. It's for not-for-profit. Nobody's making any money. But Jake Plummer, who's also a Jedi like you, two you, two you guys together would be like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, just make magic. So Jake was up over in Mita, Arizona, and we're like, let's do like a Super Saturday where we do like yoga, 9, 11, 1, 3. In between that, we can teach about alternative remedies, cranial thick massage, massage, you know, plant-based medicine, all kinds of stuff. And we're trying to envision this event that's like no alcohol. You know, no alcohol, no pharmaceuticals. This is what the great gladiators are doing to heal. Then the Southwest Center for Healing Arts which is the big naturopathic school, the president said, we're all in. So now i got to set up a Zoom call next week. i got to ask you if your brand is interested in participating. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Here's the thing. I talked to Eric. Eric's like, cool, I've got to talk to Ricky. We were supposed to meet last night. But this is how wonderful this stuff happens. And, uh, and Eric's like, what's the cost? I'm like, there's no cost. You know, Ricky and Jake and your spirit are the draw. If I get the two of you guys educating individuals about how to heal through alternative remedies, they're going to listen because you guys are the gladiators. Yeah. To me, that's a bigger that's a bigger conversation even than this conference. You know? Yeah, yeah, Abs absolutely. And, and this whole thing is bigger than the conference. You know, the whole movement. What FDA? What are they going to do with psychedelics? What, what's going to happen at the federal level with psychedelics? I mean, I you know I'm, I live in Colorado and we, we just uh, we just passed a ballot initiative and uh, we're going to have uh, legal uh, journeys starting in 2024. 
uh, which is super exciting. I think the FDA is a little bit further off, maybe 2026 for psilocybin, but MDMA is coming first. Um, I think the medicinal properties, personally, of psilocybin, far, I, I've been a cannabis consumer you know, for, for a long time, but I, I, I tend to think that the medicinal properties of psilocybin are going to far outweigh the medicinal properties of, of cannabis. It may not be as accessible to people. I think people will, you know, there'll still be a lot of trepidation around it, uh, but for people who are willing to embrace, you know, losing control for four or five hours, like, I think are going to find that it's it's going to be transformational for people with PTSD and depression, and, uh, much more so than any pharmaceutical that is available. And I, I know you've been involved, I mean, cannabis is just one of dozens of things that you've been involved in. What do you think about psilocybin as, like, a healing remedy. Have you touched that at all? Of course, of course. Um, you know, my, my training is in alternative medicine and, and most indigenous tribes, most indigenous people, they believe that you can't truly heal from everyday consciousness, that you need to shift your consciousness to change your perspective for true healing to occur. So to me, I, I consider it spirit medicine and I think it's going to force us to have to acknowledge the existence of something more subtle. Um, so I think it's the future. I think it's when I think of mental health. You know, I think it's handling what's going on on the inside, and I find a, a lot of the psychedelics, entheogens, really give us access, more access to what's going on inside. Can we make sure? And he's involved with like the Biden administration. He's like at the high levels of like what federal legalization is going to look like. It's my dream that brands can migrate interstate, innovate, access patients. Patients have access to brands like Heisman. There's a lot of people out there that are looking at protectionist models. Please encourage the friends that you have to understand the importance of patient access. You know, as you go on your journeys, can I, can I ask that of you, Andrew? Absolutely, of course. And, and, and you know, he's a, he's a very influential lawyer. He's connected a lot of individuals. So, I mean, would it be great if people in New York could buy Heisman without worrying too much about government interference? Yeah, we talked about this earlier. I mean, I think it's inevitable, right? It's just a question of when. But yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you guys talked about when for federal legalization? Uh, well, a little bit. So, you know, there, there's process going on, as you know, right, that, that Biden initiated. Um, our intelligence is that that's going to take, you know, ultimately probably a year, year and a half to complete, but that there's a window of time right now to inform the FDA on the science. Uh, and that means two things. Number one, uh, we, we need to try to deschedule it. Unlikely, we're going to be successful, but in order to what convince, about rescheduling, well, schedule five at least. Yeah, so so that's Plan B. Um, so descheduling Plan A, uh, but we need to convince the FDA that the abuse potential for cannabis um, doesn't exist, which is which is hard. And so, in order for them to do that, they have to look at the definition that they've used for decades in a different way. And so, we're working on that. Um, but the alternative is to deschedule, ideally to five. I started to reschedule, uh, but as long as we're below two, we're going to be in much better places than we are now. Uh, the criminal penalties will be decreased. We'll fix 280E. Um, you know, so, and, and we really don't think that the FDA, like even though there are uh, components of rescheduling that could be perceived as troublesome because you're technically sort of in, a, in a, an FDA sphere at that point, regulatory sphere, but our belief is that they just don't have the bandwidth, the interest, the resources, the personnel to do anything about it. So it really is just sort of <coughs> a better scenario than descheduling. Yeah. But 
at the end of the day, we're hopeful that you know we'll get to descheduling. I, I might, I tend to think it's going to have to be through legislation. I, I don't think this process is going to get up there, get us there. But it's amazing that the president started this conversation. Well, and so, but as as have his comments been taken seriously, or, or is it actually turning into action? It is. Uh, you know, Dimitri and I. Oh, we got a. Well, you're, you're Ricky's people. I know you have a 12:30, and he's yeah. got a, a meeting yeah. too. I'm happy to talk to you about it. Yeah, you know what? One of the, the coolest things I do in my life is introduce people. Yeah. And I know that you can help them. Heisman has to be one of the top 10 brands of cannabis yeah. when it gets interstate. And we'll see you guys at the Super Saturday, which is just a concept right now. Great. All right. Great. All right. Great. Thanks, Ricky.